Welcome to A Hill to Die On Podcast. I am Ryan, and today I am joined by the other half of our uh, Twitch and YouTube uh, video game streaming platform, uh, Brewing and Bear Riders, at <laughs> twitch.tv slash Brewing Bear Riders. It's Cody. Welcome, Cody. Thank you, Ryan. This is Cody, the uh, resident Nintendo expert, and I'm happy to be here and finally join in on the podcast. And uh, my understanding is that you have a lot of opinions <laughs> on video games in general, particularly Nintendo, but there's something a little bit more broad you actually wanted to talk about today. Yeah, so I think it was this past week, the new demo for the Resident Evil game, Resident Evil 8, just coming out in a few months, the demo was released, and I was watching... This is with the vampire lady that everybody yeah, wants big, them to big squish. big, big vampire that, lady. Everybody wants the vampire lady to squish them. Yes. You know, people just want things to happen. They want to be chased by her in this scary mansion. Okay, uh, just, just, just so everybody's clear as to this character and yeah. the. Everyone the, knows the game now. Yeah. Everyone has seen the memes. They know which game. Then you know what Capcom knew what they were doing with this fucking marketing. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> different topic. <laughs> That's for another podcast episode. <laughs> they really know how to get people's kings going. You know what? Actually. We should talk about this in our podcast, <laughs> podcast episode. It's like the sexual tension of the Resident Evil franchise. Okay, but, but, but yeah, we'll. But, we'll, but we'll the trailer and, and what 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 you, <laughs> what what happened when you were viewing the trailer and what spurred what we're going to be talking about. So I was actually watching a, someone on YouTube play through the demo on PS5, I think, and they there was this one door that they had to open, and to open the door you needed. It was like missing, and there's a face on the door, and you needed an eyeball. Because it had one eyeball on it, you needed the other eyeball, and then it would open. So I'm thinking, this is dumb and illogical. (laughs) Who uses eyeballs to open doors? And you were saying this kind of convoluted um, fuckery that they do in, in this particular Resident Evil. They do in all the Resident Evils, right? Yeah, it's a pretty common theme, especially with the more classic games. Or you have to, like, find keys that are, like, all color-coordinated and they're, like, hidden throughout this big mansion or, like, the police station. And it's just so illogical. And I, I feel like for, especially with the Resident Evil franchise, it's more... It's trying to immerse you and, you know, it's, it's trying to get you some reactions out of you. It's trying to scare you a little bit, you know? So, like, having a more logic world can help bring you into it. Um, so, especially with the past two, seven and eight have been first person, which also I think really adds to any kind of immersion, especially with some VR. So, like, having to, like, search a mansion to find a ring that was in, like, a wine cup. And the ring on top of it, the stone on the ring, was the eyeball. So you have to, like, first of all, find this wine cup, then, like, hold it, look into the cup, find the ring, then look at the ring, then take the eyeball off the ring, and then put it in the fucking door. (laughs) It's... I get, like, the point of, you know, hunting for things in these games. It's kind of fun. So, I guess the issue here is, like, when now the games have gotten a lot more realistic looking, and they're trying to immerse you more, and they're using, like, these very old kind of style gameplay mechanics. Right. So then this goes to the discussion at hand which is which will be the tension between um the tension between entertainment and immersion right so initially you know in the 1980s 1990s even in the 2000s mm-hmm. there were certain limitations there were certain graphical limitations on what you could achieve to create an immersive environment, mm-hmm. right? And so there were ways that you could kind of um, shortcut it. And this is what Nintendo did for years and then later on in Sega and mm-hmm. um, all the other developers and game companies that they kind of built upon, especially when they had the technology to do even more so, you know, with the advent of 3D gaming and everything like that. But even then you still wouldn't say it was necessarily immersive. Right. I I think, especially with older days, I mean, game design was also just relatively early in its its infancy. Right. And it's it's only now where 
we have the kind of we have the power we have the technological <laughs> prowess that allows us to create worlds environments stories that are more believable that are way more believable and you can still weave in believable mechanics i think right it's just harder to do so that so then that still goes with the question that do are certain video games supposed to aim for and drive for immersion mm-hmm. um is entertainment the biggest factor um because it's not it's not necessarily that immersion and entertainment from you know a video game sort of vector it's not that those are absolutely uh incoherent with each other it's just that there will be times where those aren't necessarily um completely complementary right it's the idea that you know games like we were just talking about you know all the mario games those aren't supposed to immerse you you're not no. supposed to think that you're you know those an immortal really unaging focusing. like italian yeah. plumber going through a kingdom <laughs> that was <laughs> I kinda want this once <laughs> ran with goombas only for princess peach to then take her monarchy and like throw it into the kingdom to dominate and, like, have control over these poor souls and then eventually become the toad. You know, okay, that well whole now thing. I'm kind of wanting, like, a Final, Final Fantasy Mario game. That's really extra. Like, everyone's Final Fantasy VII little edgy. All the characters. <laughs> well, okay, so... But, going back. So, the, the ultimate immersion would, you know, from a conceptual perspective, be the Matrix, Right? And that's not necessarily what we're going for here, right? I like that. That's a good, a really good example. You know, complete immersion is brain in the vat. It's that you don't, you aren't able to differentiate virtual from reality. But that's not, that's not what video games have been Mm -hmm. up until now. And I'd imagine that's not what we're trying to go for moving forward, right? I think... Well, if you want your games to be realistic, is real life really that interesting? Not really. So you, <laughs> right? So so you want to still have the gamified stuff in there, right? So do do you have do you have an opinion on what the what the you know the kind of sweet spot is between entertainment right and realism? It's tough to find an example of that. Right. It's much easier to simply point out, oh, no, that's not it. Yeah. Right? Like, in the Resident Evil And I Evil still think case. everything has its place. I think those, what, like, the Resident Evil franchise has always been fun. Right. Even though I'm too scared to play it. Different story. <laughs> but, I, it would be nice to have more games that also focus on more Im- immersive mechanics. And so, what... It, because that in and of itself is a form of entertainment to be immersed into yeah. a world that is apart from the mundane, right? Mm-hmm. It's that you get to do things that you wouldn't be able to do in normal life anyways. So how so it has to be realistic, right? So mm-hmm. you're saying that the graphics have to be up to a certain quality. Mm, I think so, yeah. That there has to be some sort of gameplay that is maybe intuitive but definitely um prepared in such a way that it doesn't feel like you are you know an evolved ape pushing buttons to mm-hmm. on you know on a controller it, it it feel you have to feel like you're almost strapped into it right yeah and so what level of immersion are you trying to go for mm-hmm. and what level of you know, differentiation from actual reality are you looking for? Are you looking for, you know, let's say extreme, pretending to be an Italian plumber? Or are you pretending to, you know, are you, are you, look, are you looking for more like Grand Theft Auto, kind of? <laughs> like where, you know, this all seems more or less plausible that there's this city where people are going about their lives, but you go about, you know, doing random crimes. And, yeah. You know, just sure. doing whatever strikes your fancy, right? Like yeah. more sandboxy with no consequences, 
you know, what what is it that you look for in a game in order for it to be yeah. fun from the immersion perspective? I think with the Grand Theft Auto example, that rings a bell with sort of having consequences to your actions in games, which in a lot of games there aren't. But that's always been the promise of developers. They're like, you know, if you do something bad in this game, something bad's going to happen to you, or there's always going to be consequences if you do something good or bad. Like, a really good example of that was the Fable franchise for the Xbox. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the producer of that game, or the director, I would say, he, like, infamously oversold what the game would do with your choices. It's kind of like false marketing. Yeah. He would be saying, yeah, you can be evil, but then the game world's going to react to that. And it, it kind of does, but he really oversold every single game. All three of those games he really oversold and what they can really do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for a really long time there's just been limitations in, in gameplay design. Also, I imagine with AI is also a huge issue, I bet. If we look at like the Skyrim, or not the Skyrim, the Elder Scrolls franchise as a whole, the AI has been like noticeably shit in every single game. Oh, for sure. Well, I would say that it was pretty up to par for its technology in like oblivion <laughs> and then it just didn't change <laughs> or like maybe even like morrowind and then it just hasn't updated yeah, since it hasn't really updated since morrowind <laughs> but, but they're always like hey if you, our npcs will be walking all around the world and they'll be looking for you but isn't should isn't there an argument to be made that introducing consequences and more realistic consequences. Isn't that just another step towards realism? Yes. Yeah. But isn't that... That 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 just is one step further to creating a game in a world environment that is more like real life. And we were just talking about how you wanted to step away from that in order yeah. for it to still be entertaining. And, you know, a reason why you would pick up the game in the first mm-hmm. place. I think a good example of what I'm trying to get at is the Deus Ex franchise, which is what I, I really—it's a franchise I really, really love. Um, it's been around since like 2000, 2001, um, and a big component of that franchise is like these big ass vents that you can kind of crawl through and sneak through the buildings, and that has been a staple since the first game, and it's been a staple in every single game since. And like the newest ones, this genre is now called like immersive sims. Um, and I love them, um, especially the newest Deus Ex games. But they still have these like big ass giant vents that you could just climb through any building. I'm like, no real building has these vents in the real world. And I feel like they could at least change up the stealth aspects well, to so make it a little bit more interesting than just crawling through vents in the building. This is one of your favorite game franchises, yes. and you're still talking about how it's illogical in some of their approaches, if their goal is to be immersive. Yeah. I, I just I want more I want like a different take on being stealthy in these kind of games I would say right. I, really, I really like playing stealthy characters in these you know in the genre but I, that aspect of stealthiness I don't think has evolved a whole ton right well especially within this one franchise I would say well I mean the the cliche saying is if, if it ain't broke don't fix it right yeah but another really good example is like if you're playing a shooter game there's always like barrels filled in every single level that you can just shoot and they explode right right, that's been a staple since since like the dawn of fps's and it's still a thing (laughs) why (laughs) i feel like we can make more creative ways to cause big things to explode right well i mean there's always going to be that tension between mechanistic gameplay that serves a purpose mm-hmm. that also is entertaining because you know yeah you know um who doesn't like shooting at something and it's just great up and great archangel michael bay like he he's he's, he's the one that invented it you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> he knows who doesn't love a good <laughs> <laughs> no but it's the idea that there is something that is more or less not not obviously intrinsically but something that is pretty deeply entertaining for a wide swath of an audience like mm-hmm. an explosion and how you can incorporate that into mechanistic gameplay um, that I think compensates for the detraction of immersion right so like 
you're not gonna really be in spaces like let, let's say you were to take any kind of random fps situation mm-hmm. you're not gonna really be you know shooting up the whole town in areas that have easily explosive type of devices right you're not gonna have vats of oil obviously <laughs> like if you're in it, yeah <laughs> like you're not gonna you're not gonna be shooting up cars in such a particular spot of the car that it's gonna go into the gas tank and blow it up that'd be kind of cool but that's just that doesn't really happen it does in action movies right (laughs) exactly (laughs) why can't we do this in games like in in various industry sectors and in labs and stuff like that you're not there's not really going to be easily accessed explosive type of scenarios even like if you're using various types of I don't know, depending on which industry sector you're talking about, if you're talking about places that have access and need access to oxygen tanks, to hydrogen tanks, like, those can and do explode, but, mm-hmm. like, this, the situation you would have to concoct mm-hmm. in a video game in order for that to happen, it's just <laughs> not really all that likely. It's outlandish. <laughs> yeah. And it bothers me now that it's still... It's, it was fine earlier in the, you know, the gaming days, but I feel like it's stuck around for so long. I think designers can make a more f- interesting mechanic. But, but this really goes more at the root of media entertainment in general. Because they do this in, in movies all the time, in mm-hmm. TV shows, right? The, the more mundane shit is like sitcoms. And those are fun and entertaining, but mm-hmm. for a completely different reason. It's just for the comedy perspective, right? So that doesn't mean that you can't have action-type movies, TV shows, video games. Mm-hmm. But it's just going to be a lot harder to grab an audience if you don't do giant-ass explosions. Yeah, like what's expected of the genre. Right, or just something that is able to draw you in because visually explosions draw you in yeah visually an eight foot you know vampire vampire lady lady. (laughs) is like draws you in right it's 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 cliche and sometimes it like detracts from the immersion but like it works right yeah the outlanders can be really fun Uh, that's why we like these things because it's not real life it's Precisely. Yeah. It's heightened reality. And so... <laughs> I'm still trying to... <laughs> I'm still trying to pinpoint exactly where you are looking for in terms of that sweet spot of mm-hmm. immersion and, you yeah. know, unrealistic fun. Yeah, I, I think especially it's more like just outdated game design or... It sounds like you just want mechanistic gameplay that isn't that so lends it, That lends itself more to the game world, maybe. Right. That's a little bit more believable. So, like, for example... That makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, within the Zelda franchise. Um, <laughs> oh, you, right. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier, and it's, it's something that was fixed in the series with Breath of the Wild, I think. That's true. In the old games, you would just swipe some grass, and you would find lots of money like you could become the richest person in Hyrule just by like you said mowing the lawn yeah you shouldn't you shouldn't there there there's no feasible way a world could be built up in such a way where their economy can be wholeheartedly dismantled by, by like mowing your lawn by seven year cutting like a ten year old mowing the lawn for a day <laughs> Like, I just think they could have come up with a more interesting mechanic than that. And they did eventually. It only took uh, two decades. Well, so that's the thing is it became it became such a strong symbol, became a very strong them, like theme, a motif in Legend of Zelda because mm-hmm. that was the only technologically um, accessible way of providing currency was to cut down enemies, cut down shrubs, you know, all that kind of stuff, to get rubies. It made sense then. It became such a strong thing within the game. Why would you... Like, what do you mean I can't 
get rubies from cutting down grass. Yeah. This is a Zelda game. It was a shotgun at first. Yeah. But then it was... I really liked the way they changed it up. So, like, now you are, like, the one finding natural resources and then selling them to people to get your money. Right, right, So you're interacting with this big open world they created, and it's giving that world a purpose. Right. And the money was a lot harder to find in this game than it was in past ones. So maybe it's just a matter of these kind of legacy mechanisms that are holdovers from older games that, you know, maybe the industry is a little little slow to to update mm-hmm. since now you know we certainly have the technology to to innovate and think of new ways of yeah you know maybe rebuilding old worlds from beloved franchises in such a way that you know eh, it makes more sense now to do it this way instead of the old way i agree and i i do think breath of the wild was just a really good example of that and not even just with the money but also i think with most of its mechanics and how it just changed things up from the sort of by this point like stale old gameplay right. i don't really want the same gameplay mechanics rehashed every five years right so mm-hmm. i that that kind of answers one of the questions i was gonna i was gonna ask afterwards which is at what point do certain mechanisms need to stay in games in mm-hmm. order for it to like be like true to the game yeah um versus like need to be updated so for like example we were talking about mario and like there's mario has never been a franchise that like put its hat on immersion or realism right Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that they can't change things to make it more appropriate it's the same thing with zelda right like Mm -hmm. zelda wasn't necessarily supposed to be immersive certainly more immersive than than mario franchise yeah but you know one of the things about all Mario games is you jump on the Goomba on its head and you <laughs> kill it. Like it's the, it was revolutionary for its time and it still works really well. But why why is that holdover okay? I think because they kind of perfected it like on Go Number One, and really? even since I would say they've been able to expand their platforming mechanic with each Mario game. That's true. Say for example, with Odyssey, the whole capture you're not just killing enemies now now you're capturing them and using their abilities right but so that's the other thing it's like coins just lying around yes in all the various worlds or how about mario's not human because we found humans in one of the worlds in odyssey so what the fuck is mario this is a no i don't know if i can tackle this 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 really goes to like an even bigger issue like all right what the hell is Mario? you can keep the head stomping gooba mechanic we need to talk about what the fuck mario is and princess peach because they're clearly not human we've seen the humans what is going on there jr's mom (laughs) what we need a couple episodes just for that bowsette's coming back (laughs) oh god thank you i forgot about bowsette oh my god i I think the world kind of forgot about her they needed to wipe her from their memory the world has been dealing with too much it's not let's let's one problem at a time (laughs) no but seriously why why are certain mechanisms mm-hmm. okay to detract from the immersion to detract from any kind of realism and other mechanisms not okay why why is having why is why is it not okay for Zelda franchise why is it not okay for the Zelda franchise to continue with its you know grass slashing ruby yeah i obtaining well, ways with that example i don't think it was ever good i think we just kind of dealt with it because that's but, all we had at the time okay but what 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 made it not good and what made the goomba stomping mechanic good well with zelda you're just wasting your time slashing grass you're not gaining anything out of it like you're getting money but from a it's it's really just wasting the player's time Versus jumping, the whole point of jumping Mario games is to get you to the end. It's the main mechanic of the series. Versus Zelda, it's just, here, we didn't know what to do with our money, so we hid it in some grass. Now you need to go waste some time <laughs> grinding for money. <laughs> and that's another thing. We could probably talk about grinding here for a long time. But you never really had to grind for money in any of the Legend of Zelda 
games. It's rare you had to, yeah. Yeah. So a I, lot of the times I, you could find treasure chests with it, but I would argue it wasn't really a part of the game all that much. It was just you didn't really need to do it that often. Yeah, you would, would usually find enough in. You actually usually find too much. It was fairly auxiliary, and the fact that when you were fighting off enemies, like you were just near grass and you would just collect them yeah. on your way. Yeah. You know. Um, and I just I think as the series went on before Breath of the Wild. I could tell, like, the rupees kind of had, it wasn't like a good mechanic anymore. It just seemed superfluous by, like, let's say, Skyward Sword. There wasn't much of a use for them. Like For rupees just, in general? Yeah, like, mechanically, they weren't interesting as a currency, I don't think. Right. I don't think they added much. You, know, you would find way too many. Okay, well, so, that, there are... There are certain installments in the franchise that did that well, where mm-hmm. you weren't overflowing, but you weren't super needy. It's hard rubies. to balance a good game economy. I, I think it's pretty oh, rare for sure. to do that. For sure. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the, the you know mechanic of, oh, I can get rubies out of you know pots in people's houses and grass yeah. and the fields that no one's been to. like. That doesn't and make that mechanic bad. It just means that they didn't tweak the numbers the right way. They didn't tweak the numbers right the right way, but they also didn't really provide much reward for money. I don't think in past games, you wouldn't be able to do a lot with it. Versus in Breath of the Wild, everything needed money. Like it was a scarce resource, right? And you would get really cool stuff from it. Like you'd be upgrading your equipment constantly. Um, you could, actually, I don't know what else did you spend money on in Breath of the Wild. Um. Did you buy a house? Did you? I don't know if you used rubies for that. You needed wood for that. Yeah, you needed a lot of wood for that. But I remember never. I remember not having. So enough. So let me let me posit this. I would say that the ruby collecting thing actually was a pretty decent mechanic. It just wasn't as good as say like the Goomba stomping mechanic, and. I think in the most recent installment of the Zelda franchise, they wanted to go more towards immersion, which is why they got rid of the mm-hmm. the ruby thing. Whereas Mario has never wanted to do that, and they see no reason to. So the reason why the ruby harvesting mechanic wasn't as good as the Goomba stomping mechanic, to me is simply because from the get-go stomping on a Goomba's head was so so much more viscerally satisfying, yeah. right? There's there's the sound associated with it. Mm-hmm. There's just the like exuberated Italian plumber jumping even higher from it. And it, it. requires skill <laughs> to do it right if you really want to get good at it. Right, right. You right, could right. chain a bunch of jumps on a bunch of enemies. Right. And it's that's the other thing about a game is that it's it's a user with a particular controller as the input and then the input goes to the visual and the Mm -hmm. audio response right and for goomba stomping it was so much more tactile Mm -hmm. because there was such a direct response whereas with like slashing grass for rubies like you did it you saw it but it wasn't as tactile it wasn't as it's very mindless it's not as rewarding yeah it wasn't as it wasn't as direct yeah you know there wasn't as much of like a it's a mundane task. Yeah. And just the fact that it was a little bit um, disconnected too. It's right. Mm-hmm. It's like something violent and visceral and immediate as using your weapon. And when you use it on the enemies, that's great, right? Mm-hmm. You see the effect, you know, they explode into a puff of clouds whew, for like Wind Waker and a link to the past and everything like that. But when you do that same exact thing on the grass, it's like, psh, and then you see rubies pop out, and it's like, okay, well, let me go get that now, right? Mm. It's just, it's a little bit delayed, and it served a purpose, and it was great, but it wasn't as great, it wasn't as yeah. direct as a Goomba stomping mechanic. Yeah, exactly. I think they could have made it, well, now they can make it more interesting, more fun. Right, right, right. There was no way of introducing an economy in... Well, there wasn't an easy way yeah. in the first game. But now that they've gotten to this point, 
I mean, they could have done it earlier too, but now that they got to this point, they said, "We're gonna we're gonna buck old trends." We're, exactly. And I I think they could do that for a lot of games. A but, lot of games. It's a big gamble. Right. And plus, I think a lot of the games we have now, they're moving away from that direct tactile response, right? Because, you know, we have VR now. Mm-hmm. And VR, it's not about being, you know, a sort of, like, direct tactile sort of game. Now mm-hmm. it's about being as immersive as possible with the yeah. audio, with the visual, all that kind of stuff. And the VR, it also kind of has its purposes just from, like, a purely fun kind of gameplay you know standpoint like for beat saber you know mm-hmm. it can be it can kind of just go back to like basic gameplay roots where you're just you're in a virtual world for the first time and it's also brand new and you know kind of going back to early gaming yeah days or it can now also give you these crazy immersive worlds but in, in the case of that super immersive world in in vr there's a slightly different dynamic at play yeah so instead of like direct tactile responses you know an immediate gratification of you know button mashing to get an output now i think for vr it's more about the finer details in your movement and how that affects what happens at the game right you want to be able to have a slight flick of your wrist Mm -hmm. to be able to throw something up into your view to then you know grab it with your other hand or something like that with a typical like with a normal game you would need to map out the controls in such a way that you would get the same visual response maybe the same audio response Mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel the same because you're not doing the same type of physical actions as you see visually if it was in vr right and so i think i think the the dynamics at play are different but because of how we are contributing into making that happen visually in the game um is different and i think that makes it all the more um different of a strategy right so in vr you want to be immersive Mm -hmm. you want to feel like every tiny tiny thing you do has an impact and that you can see that impact right it's kind of like we have another sense now when we're playing video games now when we're playing vr right and there's a lot of ways to explore that. Right. And I think from a game design standpoint, it would probably be... It's going to be very challenging for developers to come up with like really cool, interesting mechanics for VR just because it's a whole brand new field. Right. And it, it's also like you want to make sure that that constant response factor is always there and that it's always mm-hmm. satisfying, right? Like, in VR games, there's nothing less satisfying than doing something and not getting not getting much of a response right like let's say you were trying to throw something up and you were to do it as if you were to do it in real life to toss it up like a foot what's gonna happen right right so like if you were to try to toss something up a foot and you do it as if you actually were trying to if if the game or the controllers or what have you aren't able to register that in such a way that Mm -hmm. it feels that way you just feel like you're in an intermediate space between, you know, some random mapping for a for a button scheme on a controller. Yes. And then what VR is supposed to be, right? Yeah. What what it's it's not reaching its goals with that. Right. Not what it was intended for. Yeah. So I, I think with VR there's gonna be a tons of new ways to explore gameplay. Yeah. I'm really excited, but I'm still a VR noob. <laughs> we are playing we recently started playing Skyrim VR which I think we both really love yeah just because of really how like fun. beautiful the world of Skyrim can be yeah but also experiencing its jankiness in that view is also hilarious yeah because it is it's more or less a port yes they they didn't really build it from the ground up and so there is a lot of that like I expect this to happen oh it's not happening alright well mm-hmm. let me let me fix that by like de-immersing myself a little bit right so i think for games that truly want to be immersive vr is gonna be what you would really have to do if you really wanted to go super into immersion and i think there's entertainment for that on its own Mm -hmm. 
but kind of like Half Life, Alex. It kind of seems like yeah, it was attaining. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but at the same time, there's still a sector in VR that can be immersive to some degree, but entertaining on a much similar parallel to you know quote-unquote old-fashioned games right like, like beat saber oh, oh yeah beat saber yeah right because beat saber isn't you're not actually some factory clone thing that's just <laughs> swinging sticks at it's just blocks. fun to do it's such a simple mechanic but it works right and it's immersive in the sense that you're moving your hands and you see that yeah. affects the the wands or whatever you get the tactile response from it right but you don't feel like you're living in this weird yeah. block stream right it like, just adds a new dimension to the rhythm genre right it's very right, addicting right. and it, it still has that same entertainment like oh look i'm doing a thing from from you know that kind of old-fashioned mm-hmm. idea so i think going back to talking about skyrim so elder scrolls 6 has been announced it won't be coming out for a while but maybe we can kind of think about how it could sort of change up its design from Skyrim to, to make it more of like an immersive experience. Mm-hmm. So like again with Zelda, it really changed a lot of the, the series staples to make the gameplay more interesting and really use this open world to its high stability. But then like when we're playing Skyrim, there's like nowadays, especially playing it in VR, you can kind of see like the seams and where some some of the game design is aging now that it's 10 years old almost. I think it's more than 10 years, isn't it? 2011. Okay. The only reason I know that is because there were three Sky games that came out that year. <laughs> Skyrim, Skyward Sword, and then Skylanders, all the same year. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so first off, they need to have they need to hire more than three fucking voice, voice actors. Because <laughs> I missed swear to god. And the same voice actor from like Morrowind, like since then. That's the first thing that I need to change. I'm not saying they can't use those voice actors, they're great. I'm saying let's get a little bit more diverse, yeah. right? Like at the same time, I also kind of want there to be like a fan mod that just replaces everyone's like, if they do go that route, we're making like with a bunch <laughs> of different voice actors to bring have like a mod to bring it back to olden days. So there's just like two voice actors. Voice actors. You really game. want to regress back into just, just after like, making this just argument. to dabble in it just for a little bit because it it has its it's so bad it's good you know yeah that that's just an audio point but it is it is worth pointing out yeah right because as we're talking the budget for like the the game is made bank why (laughs) could they not hire a few more voice right right right. (laughs) and like a lot of the times especially when you're talking about immersion um and then sometimes every now and again with like the entertainment factor the audio is really important yes of course whether like from from the old 1980s 1990s games where you know they're more nostalgic or mm-hmm. iconic sound effects and um, music from certain levels. Now it's just more like grandiose or bombastic yeah. or like um, creating the scene. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much more that we can do with audio now that that's it's true. not outlandish to just ask for a couple more different voice acting. <laughs> more, more voice actors. And even kind of just like with the sound design in general, they could probably really improve it. Maybe not use like so many stock sounds for things. Yeah. Like, I, I think as we're like going through the dungeons in Skyrim VR, it is really cool. But they could also really heighten the experience with like drippy drops coming from behind you. <laughs> which is what I did with the, installing the mod. Yeah. Which makes it feel... Makes it feel like that. Yeah. Okay, so... What else do they need to change from with, the other scrolls? From Skyrim, the wolves have got to go. Like, what? <laughs> you walk, like, five feet in any direction, there's, like, 5,000 wolves. And no real civilization can live with this many wolves. Actually, I'll, 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 I'll reframe it in a slightly different way. Because I was actually looking at a mod that made a certain part of one of the cities in Skyrim mm-hmm. um, look more alive. And that's you want to have a sense of whatever whatever what part of whatever a part of the world you're supposed to be in is for it should look like it actually is doing the thing that it's for so for example if you're out in the wilderness 
if you run into a wolf pack, you sh- actually should come across like five or six or seven. Yeah. But then you shouldn't run into any really for quite a while. But mm-hmm. at the same time, if you're in like a port, if you're in a port town or the port of a major city, that place should be bustling with like commerce and trade exactly. and, and all that kind crabs. of stuff. And no mud crabs. <laughs> they would be dead. That's not the They could point. be part of the economy. <laughs> <laughs> this mud crab meat, yo. <laughs> but no, that's the other thing. Like, maybe a bunch of street vendors selling food because, yes. like, everybody's hungry. Yeah, the cities right? it, it don't sh- feel as alive as they could. Yeah, 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 exactly. In, co- in comparison to actually this big game world that they've created, like, they're, I think, collectively, all the NPCs and then Skyrim, there's probably, like, a hundred, <laughs> it seems like, combined through all the cities. Right, right. Versus, like, 20,000 bandits. Like, this isn't a world that could possibly exist. And I yeah. think they just need to make right. and bigger, all cities, more... There should just be a bunch of random-ass people. Yes. Yeah, there should be... I mean, there already are kind of, like, traders walking from town to town, but it's But just, that's not enough. There's not enough. There should be crowds of people. When... I remember one of the cities in Skyrim, when you first walk in, there's an execution that's about to take place. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, three guards, the executioner, the person that's about to get executioned, and, like, five people watching as it happens like yeah. in the gates of the city yeah, they're like oh this is the biggest city in uh cyrodiil and there's like 20 people <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> what <laughs> no like i understand it takes a lot of effort to create a bunch of unique npcs but i guess but even then like they don't all need to be unique yeah they don't all have to be unique you can have some you don't really need to necessarily interact with they can just be around they're gonna be a business. bunch that you can't interact with yeah and there'll be some that you do like, one of the things that they do to, to for shortcuts is to just have NPCs that, like, move around, do whatever they want, and if you try to interact with them, they're like, buzz off. Like, that's yeah, fine. That's fine. There's nothing it, wrong It's with like that. the real world. It's like going to Walmart. You know, not everyone wants to talk to you at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> Some people, there are the crazies there, and they will sit there and talk with you. <laughs> don't try it at home. But yeah, I, I think that sounds great. I don't, I don't see, I don't see how they could... I don't see why they couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, I guess for an example, I know the Assassin's Creed franchise has kind of done that. Um, just created these big, sprawling cities with mm-hmm. tons of people. And you really can't interact with most of them, but it still makes it a little bit more believable. Yeah. It makes it feel more alive. And now that this game's going to be coming out in like what, 20, mid-2020s, I think with the budget, now that this game's going to be funded by Microsoft as well, they can make, they can make anything they want. They have like unlimited budget. Right. Just go ham. So I, I think we're excited for Elder Scrolls Six, especially the, it's going to be in VR. It has to be. I would really it like would it a, to be a VR. huge missed opportunity. But see, that's the other thing is that like they had to build it in mind. For yeah, from the beginning. For in order for it to be good. Otherwise, it's just going to feel like another port, mm-hmm. right? It's going to feel the same kind of port, eh, whatever. And these are the growing pains that I think VR is going to have. Because oh, the for audience sure. isn't really huge. There's not that many people out there that are into the scene. Only recently is VR, like, actually viable. Yeah, only very recently. Like, um, if you're talking about in the grand scheme of the gaming industry, like, it's amazing that we were able to get to this point mm-hmm. at all. And now that we're here, like, you really need good software. And it's starting to get there. Yeah. But, you know, there is, like you said, there is going to be growing pains for it. Yeah, and, and the software is going to be hard to come by right now just because, like like I said earlier, the audience isn't huge for it, so why would you put all this money and time into a game that's only going to be going out to an audience of potentially, like, 10 million people versus... Right, it's such a... The business sell of it isn't easy. Such a, like, such a smaller fraction yeah. than the rest of the gaming yeah. sector, you know? For sure. Like, why would you do that? And it's like, well, so I at, think for at a while, the moment now, it's, it is not a great business venture. No, and they know? keep making, like, new headsets every couple of years that are improving on the past design. And, like, the old ones are going to be out of date and not compatible with new stuff, I feel like, pretty rapidly. Yeah. So I mean, it is good to make it as, you know, crystal clear as yes. possible. But you're right. The software... It's expensive. It's very cost prohibitive. Right. That's true. The software does need to get there, though, as well. Yeah. You need the hard-hitting titles that people will want to play, you know, in order to buy the system in the first mm-hmm. place. 
and I think we're kind of slowly getting to that point. Yeah. Like with was the Oculus headsets, it's like what three hundred dollars or something, and you kind of get everything. The new one, yeah. You do need a Facebook account. Though. You need a Facebook account, which really sucks. It's awful. But this is more of like a mass market kind of item, which will I think become more increasingly common. Yeah, that's true. Um, taking the taking VR and going back into the whole kind of like immersion perspective. Um, the interesting thing about you know modded Skyrim VR that I've never experienced before is that playing Skyrim VR in some of the dungeons in the cavernous areas, mm-hmm. I actually felt scared because of how yeah. immersive it was, and I have never felt that. Mm-hmm. I don't get scared by game by video games. I don't get scared by movies. <laughs> I find scary movies <laughs> they're so bad. to be so awful because people. People like the reason why people like scary movies is because they're scary, but I don't find them scary, so I just yeah. get bored. But this, because it was so immersive, because I could not dissociate myself from the game, because it felt like I was there with, you know, this 3D sound effects of dripping and like coffins being opened yeah, it up. It feels like you're there and your life may be at risk. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what actually made it more fun. Yeah. Like, I love Skyrim, but Skyrim is an old game. And it is. like it's I've, showing, I've yeah, it shows. I've played it tons of times, um, but playing in the dark, like dank dungeons, yeah. Um, again, while in VR, it felt just so different because I got a response that I never felt mm-hmm. um, playing in any of the other previous iterations of yeah. Skyrim whether it was, like, the original release or on the Switch or computer or what have you. Right. And this is also another good point where they can improve on. They So every time there's a new game, they always say they're improving, like, their dungeon design. And I think they generally have, but not by, like, any considerable margin. So I think, like, we're in Skyrim now. There's just so many goddamn dungeons. And eventually they all do start feeling samey. I, I think they could do with a lot less if if they're going to go this route and then make them all much more unique so mm-hmm. they're much more memorable experiences yeah because it just gets old kind of doing the same old thing in like the same looking dungeons over and over again right so that's just another area I think they could no, that's a good point really improve what um, do we know what area Elder Scrolls 6 is supposed to be in you know, that's a good question. They, they showed a teaser. I, it wasn't very long. I want to say they just showed some mountains. Which, so it could be anywhere. <laughs> could be anywhere. Maybe they'll like revisit one of the old ones. Well, Maybe it'll be like a combination mountain, of several of the um, If it's areas. mountains, it's not, the, uh, it's not the Argonian marshes there. No. Right? <laughs> no, it's not else. I think it's elsewhere. Was that, uh, is that Daggerfell? Or is that somewhere? No, that's not Daggerfell. Did oh. the Argonians have, like, a marshy island? Oh, wait, what's it called? They do. Elsewhere is a different place. I think that's where the Khajiit are from. Hmm. Um, we are no longer talking about opinions, and, like, <laughs> we're just talking about <laughs> perspective games, like, <laughs> that are going to be I think in it's the just horizon. what we've always wanted since we were children. <laughs> you need to dream of, we're, like, this really cool... We're really just world. talking about... Our hopes and dreams. Yeah, we're... we're we're really just talking about our opinions and what we think makes a good game in an effort to, um, you know, pursue the ideal game, right? Mm-hmm. What we think is an ideal game. I think uh, now that we are older adults, I don't really necessarily have time to keep playing the same kind of game over and over again. I want to be playing <laughs> more unique things. So that's why I would like new spins on my old favorites. Right, right, right. Like Morrowind VR. Yes. <laughs> kill for it. it needs a lot of mods, but I would totally be there for it. Like, I get mean, rid of the cliff racers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think we covered the bases we wanted to cover. Yeah. It. I. I still don't know exactly what your sweet spot is for that tension between immersion mm-hmm. and entertainment the the entertainment factor that's devoid from immersion right but it's also it's also somewhat of of an amorphous thing right yeah like it depends on the game really 
Exactly. It's you. You like games, very enjoyable games, that aren't super realistic, that aren't super immersive, but have an entertainment factor. Yeah. Like, for example, Fire Emblem. I love the series. Yeah. Not realistic at all. Pokemon. Pokemon. Um, <laughs> I think with like Fire Emblem, it's just there are some. A lot of the Nintendo games. A lot I of guess. The, yeah, yeah, of course. But but then you also really like games that really immerse you into their world that they tried so hard yeah, to create. Yeah, with like characters you really enjoy playing as or other characters in the world that are really cool. Because like in, in a Mario game, you don't really give a shit what happens to Mario or Peach. You just want to... You're there for the cool level design and... <laughs> right. Your cool hops and jumps. Or and like... Or, or even to some extent in various Legend of Zelda installments, like maybe the puzzles or... The puzzles. Know, what we, have you. We always love the puzzles. Um, which is also really cool when they shake up dungeon design. And you always series. hate Tingle. Fuck Tingle. He's a creepy, he green-suited pedophile. Well, isn't that what we like? <laughs> no! <laughs> He's so weird. He's so <laughs> Japan, and I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I want to say there's a female version of Tingle, too. There is, isn't there? I think he's married. I don't, I don't know if he's married, but there, I think there is a female version. Yeah. There's a female Link. <laughs> Linkle, don't 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 even start there. <laughs> but so okay, so would that mean that the quote unquote perfect game would have both of those components? A super immersive, super realistic game that is entertaining because it is so immersive and realistic, but then also has an entertainment factor. Yeah completely separate there's probably a balance between the two like i I just think the gameplay mechanics need to but not be trite right but but what what i'm asking is is there is there a way to concoct a game that maximizes both Both. of those values Mm -hmm. and combine them Mm -hmm. that's a good point is that is is such a thing possible (laughs) (laughs) right because you can be entertained by feeling like you're in the world yeah to the maximum degree but do you think there would be entertainment separate from that not from the immersion but from the gameplay yeah I think they can still gamify something and also make it immersive at the same time for sure so then what would that what would that ideal perfect game look like so it would have to be the most graphically intense game ever right in order to be super immersive it would have to essentially more or less look like real life right to be that immersive and to have an entertainment value maximize because it looks mm. so real right mm-hmm. in a way yeah but then at the same time you can't do as many fun things and well well so but then you would have so then the game would have to do something there would have to be some purpose to the game yeah there'd have to be some type of, of gameplay mechanics that are separate from that right i, I think while, while you... not detracting from the realism yeah i, I think like when you get if you make things look too realistic and too real life looking, then you're limiting your gameplay possibilities. Because by by any you're simulating realism too much. Right. Any any type of gameplay mechanic that you try to shoot for after creating this world that isn't simply you know living life, mm-hmm. you would say detracts from the realism to to some extent. I think so. I would say the. Maybe the Uncharted series is a good example of that. It's a series that I've never been interested in. It's they really focus kind of on like this Hollywood Michael Bay explosion aspect of it, and like not on the gameplay at all. They try to make it look as you know high tech as possible, doing all these Hollywood stunts. But I mean, maybe this is just more of a me thing, or I don't really care for the gameplay. It's just too simple for me. I want more deeper more deep mechanics to play around with than just shoot you bang bang barrels and <laughs> drive a truck at really high speeds, you know? Right, right. But so so I don't really, you, I don't know what the game looks like, the perfect game looks like. But if you don't, so, okay, but if we just go back to the gameplay mechanics, maybe we can isolate this. Yeah. If you don't want explosions and shoot them up bang bang, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> what I really want balanced mechanics that kind of make sense within the game world. But, like, something more concrete. What is What would be a great mechanic to you that you would like to see in mm. the perfect game? Mm. Would you like to see magic? 
you know, magic-wielding sorcery. Yeah, I, I, I guess Elder Scrolls is a good example of there. I like shooting ice out of my hand. And, like, bow and arrows and, and shocking swords. people like do you, a Jedi. Do you That's like, fun. Do you like the, like, fantasy combat kind of... Yeah, like, you can throw me in Star Wars and have a Jedi battle. I fucking love it. But, like, give me some good fighting mechanics with it. Mm-hmm. Or, like, in Skyrim, like... Or any Elder Scrolls game. I... And you said you also like sneaking, too. I love sneaking, yes. Which is probably another area they could improve on, because they'll be looking directly at you and they can't see <laughs> But so that's the other thing, is like sneaking in a realistic game is not easy. Not easy, no. Like, so that's the other thing, is you actually do have to detract from reality for something like sneaking, because if yeah. you make it as complex and difficult as, you know, sneaking in real yeah. life actually is... It's going to be impossible. Yeah, you just... It, wouldn't really happen all that often. Yeah. Like, it would technically happen. So, like, happen. I can suspend my disbelief to an extent in that right. manner. For sure. Because, like, in a lot of stealth games, there's, like, just guards going up and down the same quarters constantly. And right. You have to sneak past them. It's, like, kind of dead simple. Right. Or the, the infamous example is, like, a guard coming across their dead colleague. And yeah. Like, oh, oh, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, Look around for, like, five seconds. Five and Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. There's just this dead body. He's yeah. been shot in the head, but no, everything's fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're hiding in a locker. <laughs> yeah. There just happens to be lockers there. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or you're sneaking an event. Surprise. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, it's a huge challenge to make something that's that's evolved from that gameplay. Yeah, it's not easy. I think, I think if you were to average everybody's um, ideal sweet spot on this kind of tension that we've been talking about. I think there is a certain like thing that you can go for that would be absolutely the perfect game. Mm-hmm. It's just that each person's sweet spot isn't going to exactly be the same, you know? Yes, I think, that's true. I think there's an average that you can go for to maximize... Like, mass market it. Yeah. But at the I'm same time... I'm not the time, mass market. Right. But at the same time, there I'm, I'm sure there are people that, like, only want immersion. I want I want the Matrix oh, yeah. Sims. I, like, that's all I want. Versus, like, people that are just like, I want the most cartoony, like... Yeah. I'm kind of here for everything, but there's some people are only, like, one or nothing. Mm-hmm. This really just all goes down to, you know, people's opinions and tastes and mm-hmm. what it is that they want from a certain um, type of media, right? People don't necessarily watch TV to forget. Sometimes they watch TV to learn, you know? Whether it's the news or a documentary um, Sometimes you drink to forget, but people don't always drink to forget. They drink for other things. That is true. <laughs> and I would say the same thing applies to video games. A lot of people play video games. Um, going back to that kind of tactile response, it's mm-hmm. entertaining mm-hmm. Um, from that perspective. I think people like video games because it gives them a sense, uh, a sense of like maybe self worth or a sense of um achievement you know Mm -hmm. being able to you love achieving things in games yeah being able to do something really well in a game breaking world records or you know whatever Mm -hmm. um and i think that just goes just that just goes to another point about video games now that they've you know been around for you know 40 plus years Mm -hmm. that as a type of media um, it's really evolved it, and it does it, things that no other media can do right it's it's gotten to the point where it's respected as a legitimate form of art while yeah. still being you know so input driven right mm-hmm. that's the whole point it's it's the biggest input driven type of medium right and as a result of that it has so much potential so mm-hmm. much that you can work with and you know so many people with so much so you know so many opinions and so much 
varied taste in what it is that mm-hmm. they look for in a game. It's a very unique piece of media that, yeah, it just it does things that other medias can't do. Like, for example, like there's fans of the Star Wars movies, but you're not going to get the same thing out of a Star Wars movie versus a Star Wars game. You know? Right. You can really immerse yourself in the movies and the games in different ways. Mm-hmm. That's just, like, one example. So, I think it's taken a lot to get games where they are now, and they can become this really cool, unique, immersive experience. And that's what I, that's all I really want, Ryan. <laughs> Actually, I think going back to it, I think, I think what we really should be looking for in video games is simply just you know the type of media where certain individuals whoever are fans of the game or mm-hmm. you know the um whatever type of category game you're looking at whether it's a platform or shoot 'em up or whatever is that the input from the user into what happens in the game yes. needs to be as I think just as crisp as possible, right? Yeah. Because no matter what game you're talking about, if 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 there's not a great relay between the user and then the game, then they're just not gonna like it. That's the one thing I that's I all would, really, I would think is pretty universal. That's what yeah, games kind of hinge on. It's no other media has that user input. Right. Like There's, everything's just handed to you on a platter. Like right. you're going to see a movie, the movie's made, it's just shown to you. If you're listening to music, it's done, it's just shown to you. But the game is there for you to explore based on your inputs. There's not that type of personal interface. Exactly. And I think when games don't respect that interface or don't do it as effectively, mm-hmm. the game suffers. Yeah, right. For sure. So like the the example a lot of the times nowadays because a lot of games are multiplayer and online mm-hmm. is like a lag of some sort right and you know that's not really the game's fault per se there's really a lot of factors that go into play mm-hmm. for that but i would say just from a pure um like conceptual point is that if you aren't able to achieve that on your own as a game then I would argue, it's what are you doing? Like, yeah, you've kind of failed the one thing you've set out to create. Right, the one thing that is supposed to separate you from other games. Exactly. Or, like, sorry, other, other games media. and other pieces of media, yeah. Yeah. So really, that's what's most important. <laughs> User input, and I think that kind of goes back into just gameplay mechanics, you know? Right, so like, you know, Pokemon, for example, your input is, you know, you know, basically, there's a menu surfing the menu, game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and you are menu surfing. That's all you're doing, and a yeah. lot. But that's a, it's still fun. It requires some level of intelligence to do, and you can kind of build your own little story there. Right. Build your own team. It's um, cute. It's fun. Mario platformers. You have to be able to conceptualize in your head what this fat little Italian man is going to jump for, <laughs> and <laughs> the arc of yeah. like. His velocity. Uh, right. And all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, first person or third person shooters, um, being able to visualize, you know, enemy movement and what's going on, tactical strategy, that whole sort of thing. Actual tactical tactical strategy games. Um, mm-hmm. if you're talking about you know, Magic the Gathering. <laughs> or if you're talking about like the Halo Wars, like the real time strategy, anything like that. Like, those inputs are, you know, they're not as vanilla-y as, like, menu-based Pokemon or, like, turn-based, like, Final Fantasy, like, old Final Fantasy. Right. But there's still, there's still an idea of what you're supposed to do. You go do it through some type of input. Everybody agrees on what that input is. And then, you know, as long as you check the boxes on what else needs to happen in order for the game to be good, you end up with a good game. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, they, we, we've done it. <laughs> we have solved the game industry, guys. Uh, well, 
you have to uh, actually take that kind of abstract talking point. I'm going to be a consultant into now. A real game. I think we've got it. All right. We got what it takes. Make make millions of money. <laughs> We're game consultants. We've never made a game before. Make all the Dogecoin. <laughs> Hashtag Dogecoin. This podcast is not sponsored by Dogecoin. Never. It's climbing yo. Don't buy. Don't buy. <laughs> what do you mean? Buy now. Put all your money in Dogecoin. <laughs> Fucking do it. <laughs> all right. That was really convoluted and we walked around a lot a lot but i think i think we got to some conclusions we got to some conclusions <laughs> it just took lots of diversions <laughs> very typical of me all right um so yeah thank you cody for joining us of course um this has been a hill to die on episode three and uh yeah we'll see you in the highlands bye <laughs>